Hi, Love Leaders. It's Dr. Shannon Roberts, your host for the Love Leading Podcast, where we discuss how to create connection in your most important relationship that God designed, bringing health and sometimes healing while deepening intimacy. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Intimacy for Life webinar. I am so excited to have you all joining with me. So again, let me just tell you a little bit about myself. I'm Dr. Shannon Roberts. I've been a licensed mental health counselor for well over 30 years and specifically working in the field of uh, couples counseling. Um, having worked so many um, years with couples. One, hi. California, welcome. Yay. I'm in Tampa, Florida. It's six o'clock Eastern time. So those of you who are joining with me clear on the other side of the coast, the United States. Thank you. In the middle of your Sunday afternoon. So working with um, couples for a long period of time, I just have developed this love and passion for seeing how these couples can move from a place of disconnect to connect. And um, for a long time, a lot of my couples would kind of leave and have it all well and good. And then they just boomeranged right back in six months or so. And so went back to the drawing board and did my dissertation work, figuring out what is exactly this thing called love, intimacy, and connection. And so um, my passion is just giving the information of what I found out in my research and what the science says. Um, a lot of times through the, the view of uh, a biblical um, viewpoint. So mixing those two worlds together. And so this is it. This is what I'm gonna be sharing with you this evening. And something about that has drawn you here because listen, we all want this. We want to feel connected. And we want our most important relationship to have that bond that we started with. And a lot of times couples come in and, and they tell me, well, Dr. Shannon, I love my partner. I might not feel in love with my partner. And so what is this thing that you know we start this love story? And I listen to love stories every day, all day. I got the best job in the world because I have a passion for hearing love stories and, and having them um, grow and deepen and for some restore. And so um, what is this thing that happens and why is it so elusive, right? So um, I love giving this information to these couples that are yearning for more. I love it when two people show up in my office and say, I'm not going to settle for mediocrity. I'm not going to um, settle for this is just as good as it gets. I want more than just vanilla. And so maybe this has attracted you here tonight. And I'm so glad that you said, I, I want that. I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I'm going to give this some more time. I'm going to give it some more research. And so welcome. Again, I'm Dr. Shannon Roberts. I'm your host for tonight. So go ahead and open up your workbooks and let's dive in. So what is this intimacy thing? Listen, <laughs> a lot of times in our culture, in our world, we politically correct, interchange the word intimacy for sex. And it's so much more. Yes, we're going to be talking about that other kind of three letter word as we get towards the end of our workshop. But before we even get there, let's just begin from the very beginning. Let's get started with intimacy and what is it? And so the, I'm going to be looking away at my screen because I'm going to be giving you your fill-ins at the same time. So feel free to open up that um, link that um, Carly has dropped in our chat here. Welcome, you guys. California, Florida. Wow, so many different people join us this evening. Thank you so much for being in with us this evening. So... First fill-ins, what is intimacy? It's knowing and being known. It's that simple. We have a yearning 
for being able to connect with someone on an intimate level where they know us emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually a lot of times. And um, when we have that capacity to show up and reveal and expose, and the other person knows um, us at different kinds of levels, then that is true intimacy. And that's what creates that connection point, that really secret sauce. And it's so much more than just what I think our culture makes us believe it. And so that's the reason why I like these kinds of opportunities to share how we can get there, how we can preserve it, how we can maintain it, and it can continue to deepen throughout the longevity of the relationship, and especially in the most important one, our spouse or our partner, so that we can share with them levels of knowing and being known that we don't share with anybody else. So when we really boil down into intimacy, second fill in, it can be defined as intimacy, seeing into me, seeing into me. And sometimes this requires some risk taking, some revealing, and some of it is just that life experience of knowing, right? Shared time and space. And this is actually the way that God designed it. And we've heard the story of the first marriage back in Genesis 1. God created God in his image. And he said, this is good. In fact, he said, no, this is very good, right? And then the very next thing he said, yeah, but this is not enough. He knew that we needed to do relational connection physically, tangibly, concretely with one other special person on this planet. And so he created a life partner. So the very first marriage was one to become out of one flesh. And what we believe in our Christian worldview is then that that connection point with that romantic attachment partner is then from then on out to becoming one. But what we're seeing in the research is that it's very vetted out in very specific ways. The neurobiological um, research in the area of romantic love has really come a long distance in the last few years. And so what we are finding, even though biblically it says it's true, what we're finding in the research is that there is this neurobiological hardwiring that when we are connected especially with a romantic partner, we are in that best place of how we're hardwired to be designed to function. And so that's what this is. It's called the attachment system. And that attachment system ensures emotional and physical survival that protects this bond between primary caretaker and child. The research of that attachment bonding between um, mom and father and child is that same system that allows for that connection of care and comfort for survival. And it's that same system that transfers from your primary caretaker to your romantic partner or spouse. Let me say that again, because it's so important. It's your fill-in. That attachment co-regulation system that we know is all there between a child and its parent is the same system that never goes away. We don't outgrow it. It just transfers. It transfers to our romantic attachment partner and spouse. And it's the same thing that um, is present and operates best neurobiologically in our brain system. It's the thing that leaves and cleaves, as it says in Genesis 2.24. So what is this function? 
Well, same thing from um, parent-child to romantic attachment partner. It ensures the survival of the bond between the spouses. It is there to create co-regulation for care and comfort, very similarly to um, what is necessary for the child to survive. Parents provide care and comfort. Spouses do the same. So keeping the love that's necessary for that emotional and physical needs that are given and received equally in the partnership of adult mature love. So when that attachment system is working correctly in couples, it creates that safety and security, the same safety and security that is felt between a parent and a child when it's working properly. And so how do we regulate this attachment system? How do we keep that bond strong? How does it work properly? So safety and security allows for the culture of care in the marriage relationship to form and deepen intimacy. Culture of care meaning that it matters to us, that what is important to our partner emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually matters to us and we respond to our partner needs and longings with love, acceptance, availability and responsiveness. Same thing that we find with parent, child. That when a baby has an issue of need, we move towards the issue of need to provide that care and that comfort. We provide emotionally and physically with love, acceptance, availability, and responsiveness. And that's what deepens the safety and security. And we have that emotional co-regulation with one another. So what do I mean by security? That security allows each person to feel like they have a secure base. And that knowing that they have that person that carved in awareness of that there has there's somebody that grounds them as they go out into the world and they're not alone, that there's assurance of that and it matters to that other person. And when we have that, we can become the best version of ourselves. We have, um, um, emotional stress management and regulation. We have focus. We can become more productive. The more we feel loved and accepted and that someone's making themselves available and responsive to our needs and longings and hopes and fears, then we can continue to create that um, awareness and vulnerability of being known and, being, and, and knowing. So if we're hardwired for this, this is where we're our best version of ourselves, then why is it so elusive? Why is it, listen, I, I work with couples. I work with couples in pre-engagement, pre-marriage preparation, and I, on the other side of the continuum, work with couples that come in in a very necessary restorative um, desire as well. And they come into my office totally different. You know, these pre-engaged and pre-marriage couples, they show up a little early. They're usually in their same car. When I go and get them into the, the lobby, you know, they're sitting, you know, very close together. <laughs> And they walk in with like little deer in the headlight, you know, kind of rose colored glasses on. It's beautiful. It's so endearing. And they come into my office and they might move, you know, the pillows to either side of the, the couch so they can sit right together, like making sure all of their side of their bodies are like touching. 
And I start with their love story and they're filling in each other's blanks. And there's just like a, a lightness in the air, right? And then fast forward to this other side of the continuum, you know, couples that come in and they're really not in a great place in all kinds of aspects for all kinds of reasons, emotionally, mentally, physically. And they might not show up in the same car and they might stagger when they arrive, maybe preventing having to maybe sit in that awkward kind of next to each other position in the, in the waiting area. And when they come in, you can kind of sense the tension a little bit. It's a little awkward anyway, right? And not a lot of eye contact. And they might actually rearrange some of the cushions on the couch and kind of put maybe all the cushions in the middle sitting on opposite ends, <laughs> getting their little corner, you know, secure. And again, I start with their love story. And at first it's somewhat awkward because aren't we supposed to come to a counselor to talk about our problems? <laughs> it's like, why are we talking about the really good stuff? <laughs> and a little bit as they ease into the story, maybe they begin kind of recollecting where they started. And eventually, you know, having to map out how they got away from that point. So why, what is this drift a lot of times? Well, just like everything else in life, all things kind of are in a state of erosion if they are not intentionally maintained well. We can plant a beautiful garden and we can have it for a time, but unless it's well-maintained, we're not gonna see the kind of fruit or this, the kind of beauty that it initially started with unless there is some intentional maintenance and work because life gets in the way. And I'm gonna share with you some of the things that will help you maintain that intimacy. And also for you guys that are out there saying, is it too far, too gone? And is it time to say when? Well, I can't answer that question for you, but I can give you the secret sauce that will help you go back and maybe evaluate, maybe for the first time incorporate some action steps that can very much lead you back to that place of knowing and being known. So let's get into that. There are attributes and rhythms of mature love that maintain the safety and security of the attachment. It ensures the development of mature love over time. It continues to deepen and it creates intimacy on all levels, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So these rhythms can predict sustained relationship satisfaction and longevity throughout the lifetime of your marriage. Having worked with couples, these are the steps and processes that I walk them through. A lot of them who go through my program, if you want more information about those couples, I have a podcast, Love Leading with Dr. Shannon, and I highlight these couples and their testimonies all the time and they can tell you about the experience and you can you can get encouragement from their journey as well so listen up here's the first one emotional engagement how do we do that in relationships that keep the the love alive there is one major complaint that couples that I work with come in across the board, they will say the biggest complaint for them is their communication challenges. I know you're probably shocked and surprised because you're thinking, I thought that couples come into counseling because they, you know, they want to work out parenting issues or 
uh, extended family in-law challenges, our finances. Those are just the symptoms, the symptoms of this other thing that they found that they can't have a system in which to work through those. And that is the breakdown. And listen, they didn't get married having these necessary challenges. You wouldn't have walked to the altar and said, yep, I'm choosing you of all the people on this planet. You're the one for the rest of my life. If there wasn't some kind of connection, right? Some way that they have vetted this out. So these challenges sometimes start small and continue to get bigger and cause more disconnect. So there's like three levels of communication that really are necessary to keep that emotional connection and that enhance it. Let's start with just the basic one, life management communication. And a lot of times this is the first place to start before we can get to the other two. And sometimes when couples come in, this is the only one that was is basically left. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times the couple's only way of communicating is, hey, we got to coordinate how we do life, right? They divide and conquer about calendaring and who's going to take the kids where and who's going to do this kind of responsibility at the home. But basically, you know, couples, if you want to look at it this way, basically run a small business, right? Asset management, you know, budgeting, you know, calendaring, you know, these little ankle biters that, you know, employees that need to be, you know, managed and supervised. It's basically a small business. But a lot of times couples aren't intentional with having their either CEO or COO operating, you know, business meetings. And so they're just flying through it, expect, expecting it to run smoothly without any kind of connection points. And, you know, it's hard because a lot of times couples have dual careers outside of this other business they're trying to, to run. And so carving an intentional space to take care of just house management, co-parenting, you know, role division, you know, that way it's you're on the front end of it. But couples who experience heightened life stressors when they are not on the same page, resulting in moving through life responsibilities in the urgent handling things in crisis mode and ensuring more probability of conflict between each other. This episode of the Love Leading Podcast is sponsored by the Marriage Momentum Program, a virtual experience of working live with Dr. Shannon, allowing you to choose the expertise you desire from anywhere you live. Through her warmth and professionalism, Dr. Shannon will lead you on your path from pain to healing, conflict to connection, and giving you the tools to communication that lead to the intimacy you are designed for. It is chocked full of additional resources, such as videos and curriculum, that give you the comprehensive care that gets you the momentum results that other standalone 50-minute sessions cannot, all from the comfort and convenience of your own home. For more information, go to shannonrobertscounseling.com. Schedule your free 30-minute consultation today to discuss how you too can start your path back to each other. Enjoy the rest of the show. There is this um, guru in the area of marriage and family therapy that has done longevity um, studies, longitudinal studies of couples. And he talks about the cycle of communication and, and attributes of that cycle, John Gottman, that when present can be predictive of relationship dissatisfaction. But in addition to that, 
we're going to get to that in the second part of this. But in, in, in addition to that, I have found in working with my couples that the thing that keeps them feeling disconnected from one another is individual inability to manage life stressors, whether outside the home in their own individual pursuit of life or internally because of the chaos that is not in any kind of um, working smooth or order. And then there's this other thing, the chaos that ensues between the couple. So creating intentional space where you show up with business hat mode on that you can work through financial, calendar, role division, planning, um, parenting is very important. That's just the basics. But listen, there's so many couples that don't do this. So what's the next one? B, conflict management communication. Yeah, this is it. This is the thing that is the biggest predictor, according to Dr. John Gottman, of relationship dissatisfaction. It's the thing that most drives couples to get into my um, office. They say things like, yeah, we're, we just can't get on the same page. They say things like, seems like we're fighting a lot more. Or they'll say things like, whew, our, our discussions escalate or man, they don't want to have them. I mean, what they're really saying is we have lost the ability to have that foundational work through about really major things that happen in our life. And so over time, this is the predictor of relationship dissatisfaction, because if we're not working through life stressors, if we're not finding a place of connection or work through, or the ability to feel like we're a team, then these things go undone. And then the shifts of want to, we don't want to show up for our partner in the same kind of fashion that we originally found ourselves in at the altar. So it's not that couples fight, it's how they fight that becomes problematic. In fact, there really needs to be a healthy protest system in marriage. If we're taking it back to that attachment system, listen, infants, children, they let us know when something's not quite right with them for the sole purpose of us being informed and it mattering to the caretaker to move towards to figure out what that is, to move and adjust it and provide for the needs, longings that are, are necessary. It's the same thing in the co-regulation piece in couples. Couples protest when things aren't right. And same principle, protest systems are for the possibility of remediation and reconnection so that the couples want to move towards each other to remediate and provide for. But sometimes, sometimes it's how we protest that becomes problematic and that um, conflict management system doesn't work effectively. And so I, this is where I start with couples is let's figure out why this isn't working anymore, what has been broken, because we, we come in with our natural bent towards how we do conflict. We come in with our natural bent on how, what vulnerabilities and sensitivities that we might have that we want our, our, our partner to know about and that matter to them. And sometimes we're effective at communicating those and then other times we're protesting in ways that are anti-intuitive to that reconnection process. So when unhealthy fight cycles activate that self-protection system, like we have to emotionally protect ourselves from our partner and the way that they're protesting, it activates that fight, flight, or freeze. Let me say that again. 
in our brain, sometimes how we fight activates that primitive fight, flight, or freeze brain. And it results in either us escalating those ramper uppers or initiates that flight, the moving awayers, or it escalates that freeze, that shutter downer. Like you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, yep, that's my partner. Like he, she definitely wants to shut down when anything hard comes up about conversations. Or, oh, yeah, they can get really escalated really quick. And boy, howdy, at that point in time, we're fighting about how they're acting rather than about the thing that we need to work through. <laughs> right? So this is that biggest predictor of relationship dissatisfaction. So again, these shift are, um, this prevents work throughs of problems and it prevents us being able to find healing for points of pain, hurts, or offenses in the relationship. And they go undone and they compile. And maybe there's reoffenses and there's no cleaning house of being able to kind of wash it away. So these unresolved work throughs, these unresolved points of pain and then hurts in the relationship shift our want to's of being able to desire to even show up in safe and secure ways for our partner. And again, let me just say, this is the biggest predictor of divorce. And so if this is the biggest predictor of divorce. This is where we start and we need to tackle it first. Because 52% of us say, yeah, it's, it's not even worth it. 52% of the divorce rate is the exact same, unfortunately, even in the faith community. So we all across the board have problems or challenges in knowing how to show up in a safe and secure way in our fight cycle. So we really dissect that and understand that better when I work with couples. So the biggest predictor of doors and can ultimately stop all of the other intimacy activities that I'm going to be discussing with you tonight because of this want to. When that want to goes away, <laughs> then we don't want to show up in other renewal systems of the relationship. And those slowly erode. And then lastly, under our emotional engagement, is that if we can get down those business meetings, take care of those, you know, action steps that are necessary to manage life in the least stressful way as possible, and we learn how to have healthy protests in the relationship where we move towards our partner with love and acceptance, availability and responsiveness to have work throughs or healing conversations, then we have the ability then see to have vulnerable sharing communication. And listen, a lot of couples don't know how to do this, this vulnerable sharing. Maybe they don't want to. Maybe they don't want to expose themselves. Maybe they don't feel like their partner's safe to um, do that. Or maybe the message, the story they tell themselves is that it's they, their partner doesn't matter to them. Or sometimes it's just over time awkward to take these emotional risks and open up. And so um, after we get the conflict decreased, you know, creating safe and secure space for couples to reach and expose. Vulnerability involves risk of exposure to disclose parts of ourselves others do not necessarily know of our inner, and here we go, thoughts, emotions, fears, dreams, hopes, and longings. And these are just to name a few. There's so much busyness in our world, in our, and then it just seems like things are fast forward in our homes that we 
are more on the urgent are getting through the day just to start at Groundhog Day tomorrow that we don't really just take a breath to really just be present for these kinds of interactions with one another. And truthfully, it's been my experience that couples will use the busyness, whether it's professionally or dynamically in the household to avoid even having these kinds of opportunities. I hear things like, well, we just don't have time. You know, this bookend, how we start our day or end our day, even 10 minutes, I'll hear, oh, well, I'm just exhausted or I don't have time or there's so many things vying or that once I get through with my day, I just want to veg or chill or Netflix it out, right? <laughs> and we'll use those things as reasons of why this connection point, because vulnerability is hard. And you have to feel safe and secure in that relationship to have these kinds of discussions. So when we can get all three levels of this kind of connection emotionally down, that is that emotional intimacy of knowing and being known. So what's next? When we can have those clean houses, you know, where we're running things smoothly, we're working through areas of protest and conflict, and we're in that kind of place of deeper knowing and sharing and exposing, then there's also this time where, gosh, just go have fun. Shared re recreational and leisure partnership. And this is true, especially for men. I don't mean to just paint a long, broad stroke of gender differences, but research vets out that men bond well when they have a shared re recreational partner. So whether that's a hobby or a sport or, um, you know, an activity that you both equally find that you enjoy. Listen, do you remember when you're dating? You had to be intentional about when's the next time that we're going to have an opportunity of seeing one another. It didn't just lazily happen because you ha happened to share, you know, the same under the same roof and just expect it to naturally occur, you actually had to plan it. And if you have already taken care of your household management stuff, then when you show up, you don't have to have those like conflict management discussions or money kind of or parenting. You can just now reserve this other time and space just to enjoy each other's warmth and laughter again. And you did it when you were dating. You found things to do that you liked doing and looked forward to doing. So getting intentional with that once again. You know, I have this, so many couples will come in and they, they've gotten really creative. And um, they will say, oh, we, we discovered that we really like to learn different ways and approaches to cook. And now we're doing it at home even. Or wow, we really live in this beautiful place, but we really never like, like vet it out and do research on the things that are available just like right outside our door. And so carved in time to play together allows for fun, laughter, and warmth. And what studies show is talking about anticipating, planning, researching, different kinds of activities, hobbies, sports is equally as rewarding as participating in them. Let me say that again, planning for, talking about, anticipating, researching together is equally as much of a bonding experience as actually going out and doing it. So it's the, that thing that, oh, we're going to like, plan for our next um, getaway or our next experience or our next, you know, foodie restaurant or, you know, 
dance steps. You know, I don't know, but couples figure it out. And it's really exciting. It might take them a hop, skip and a jump to kind of rediscover who they are again as an us on the things that, you know, they might share equal kind of enjoyment and pleasure in. But it's a fun experience for them because they want to shift. And they find pleasure and anticipation in each other again. Uh, number three. My couples that really have worked through this conflict, find that want to find fun, laughter, and warmth again, have the space to say, hmm, if we're hardwired for this, if this is God's design, then there has to be a greater purpose of us being together, even beyond this family that we are investing in. Pouring into a family, if that's what you've elected to do as a couple, definitely is a calling and it's a shared purpose and it provides a lot of meaning in life. But if we do a really good job, these ankle biters leave and they don't come back, at least to stay maybe. <laughs> that's another topic for another day. <laughs> But couples that really say we can do together something greater than what we can do apart, that there is a meaning and purpose in this one flesh of coming to an us, find greater relationship satisfaction. And so these can be deeply spiritual connections of doing together this greater thing you know, the, the outward branding of the us representing that inward shared beliefs and passions. And we won't even know what those are if we don't get to that vulnerable sharing. Some of these couples say they enjoy worshiping together. Other people say that they enjoy serving together. Other couples find ways and approaches that, you know, they find a population of need that their contributions enhance some philanthropy pursuit of um, giving back to humanity and in service and community in some kind of capacity. Some find pure enjoyment just opening up their home and loving on people. Other people really enjoy going out and finding capacities to serve together. But those couples that do that in conjunction with one another really enhance this deeper connection point. Lastly, of course, couples that have this overflow of this emotional knowing of this fun at, um, attending this shared meaning and purpose have an overflow that also gives back to this intimacy, but also represents the intimacy as well of this physical affectionate practices. And I'm not talking just sex, right? It involves sex. Because that is the one thing that God said that he gave to the one person that differentiates that relationship uniquely from any other relationship on this planet. And if we believe what we believe, then as temple of the Holy Spirit, as Christ followers that have been tasked with loving our partners like Jesus loved the church, we become the hands and feet that we can concretely love um, our partners in ways that even God sometimes cannot show up on this physical planet and do. So there's a whole gamut. There's a whole continuum. Physical intimacy involves a long continuum and ultimately healthy sexual connection and intimacy. It, it can be just, you know, I'm going to, you know, brush your shoulder as I pass by you while you're sitting on the couch. 
I'm going to seek you out to tell you my last goodbye before I leave for the day. I'm going to seek you out to see you embrace you as I return back home. It is a whole gamut. And we get into this in my programs and we map out what that physical and sexual cycle is and how it causes disconnect when we aren't working on the, the rhythm of where we seek out each other for care, comfort, and connection. That we, what is preventing the reaching towards one another similarly to what we do with children. When children are sick, when children are scared, when children are um, in need of assurance, the first thing that we do is we reach out physically and we bring them in. And sometimes this thing disappears from couples that they don't reach to each other in times of um, sickness, um, need of comfort and need of care and need of a knowing and assurance and reassurance that, hey, I'm still there. I still see you and I'm still willing and able to reach for you to get that powerful touch need met. There's so much research out there about the power of touch and that how it has a regulating emotional and stress management capability. It, it releases all kinds of endorphins that counteract our stress hormones of cortisol. And a lot of times couples tell me, gosh, we don't even kiss anymore. Gosh, we don't even have non-sexual affection for fear, one of the partners says, for fear that it might always mean that we have to move towards sexual connection. So we don't cuddle, we don't embrace, we don't kiss. And therefore, sometimes even that foreplay disappears with that opportunity of then that sexual intimacy piece. And so that's the descending order of how we work in my program is we work on that emotional engagement, stress management of life, conflict, protest, healthiness, those um, vulnerable reaches and share, the fun, the meaning, and then ultimately the sexual pleasure. So this is it, guys. If we can get this all down, these, this is the secret sauce of how you can keep that relationship growing and maturing and deepening in that love and intimacy that we also want and desire, moving it from mediocrity to something extra special. And so if you want to take this information, go for it. It's mine. It's a gift to you. It is um, what I have helped couples work through and find for over 30 years. But if you're thinking that you want a little bit of extra support, if you want someone that actually holds your hand through this process, guides, put up the bumper guard so you don't get stuck in the rut again, or there's just some real difficult, unique circumstances to your relationship that you don't know if you can do it without professional intervention, I'm here for you. And so um, there's a lot of opportunities to some of you that will probably reach out after having heard this saying, I want this and I equally want to partner with you and I want this for you. So I am offering for you guys that signed up for this and are hearing this either live or virtually through the link, I'm giving you the opportunity to sign up for a free 30 minute consultation with me. And we'll walk through what unique circumstances you have and we'll help you map out a good plan for you on how you can address this too. So if you want to go that next step level, um, Carly is going to be putting that um, link in the chat. If you have the workbook, 
you have the opportunity um, to see it on your last page of your um, worksheet. Worksheet. And I've opened up some extra spots throughout this week to accommodate all of you guys for this week. We can make that happen this week. I'm so excited to get on the phone and just get to know you. Um, okay, Jay, thank you. Missed so lots of the blanks on the worksheet. Can we get one with blanks filled in? Absolutely. I'm so glad. I, I know that I might have talked fast because a lot of material in an hour, and I know that I promised that within the hour you would have it. But um, if you've registered for this, you're going to get a, a link for a replay, and you're going to get the workbook with all the fill-ins. So thank you for um, asking for that. Also, there are some really great things that are not more free resources that I want to make you aware of. I have a free um, Facebook group, Marriage Made Whole, that you can join. I show up live there every week with more encouragement, more tips um, that you have the ability to continue to ingest more information. Um, I have a live show that I go live on every um, every week as well. But also I mentioned the Love Leading with D Dr. Shannon podcast. I have professionals on there that I interview. You'll hear from other couples that have walked through this process to give you that encouragement that you would want to be able to um, keep the momentum going so you're going to want to um, subscribe to that and not miss any of those shows. It's on every podcast platform that you find your um, podcasts on. And um, my book is coming out, Naked and Exposed, Learning to Love Well Using This Intimacy for Life Method in Your Marriage that goes even deeper. And it's going to be out, be listening for it in May. And that's all I have for you tonight. And if you have any specific questions, be sure and um, drop them in the chat. Right now, I, I'll stay on long enough to address those. But if not, if you want to uniquely just pop on the phone with me, I would love to have the opportunity of meeting you through that. Thank you for showing up tonight. Again, I love to be in your host, Dr. Shannon Roberts. All right, guys, have a good night. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening, Love Leaders. Be sure to check out all our links in the show notes and visit me at shannonrobertscounseling.com. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any others. Until next time, go lead in loving well.